Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning and they'll take care of yours as well. They do a great job. You can visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark, it's, well, maybe for the last 13, 14 years, has been our guest on Monday morning. We've been talking about current global events. We'll visit with Larry Reed. He's the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, who is the first woman mayor in the United States. We'll find out about that, as well as Jim McTagg and her very interesting story. Jim McTagg is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. It is April the 12th, and on this day in 1633, Chief Inquisitor Father Finzenzo, appointed by Pope Urban VIII, began the Inquisition of physicist and astronomer Galileo. Galileo was ordered to turn himself into the Holy Office to begin trial for holding the belief that the Earth revolves around the Sun, which was deemed heretical by the Catholic Church. Standard practice demanded that the accused be imprisoned and secluded during the trial. Wow. This was the second time that Galileo was in the hot seat for refusing to accept church orthodoxy, that the earth was an immovable center of the universe. In 1616, he had been forbidden from holding or defending his beliefs. In 1633, interrogation in that interrogation, Galileo denied that he had held beliefs in the Copernican view but continued to write about the issue and evidence as a means of discussion rather than belief, parsing words. The church had decided the idea that the sun moved around the earth was an absolute fact of scripture that could not be disputed, despite the fact that scientists had known for centuries that the earth was not the center of the universe. This time, Galileo's technical argument didn't win the day. On June 22, 1633, the church handed down the following order, we pronounce judge, and declare that you, the said Galileo, have rendered yourself vehemently suspected of the holy office of heresy, that is, of having believed and held the doctrine, which is false and contrary to the holy and divine scriptures, that the sun is the center of the world, and it does not move from east to west, and that the earth does move, and is not the center of the world. Unquote. Well, along with the order came the following penalty, we ordered that by a public edict that the book of Dialogues of Galileo be prohibited, and we condemn thee to the prison of the Holy Office during our will and pleasure as a salutary penance. We enjoin all these uh, for the space of three years. Thou shalt recite once a week the seven penitential psalms. Galileo agreed not to teach the heresy anymore and spent the rest of his life under house arrest. It took more than 300 years for the church to admit that Galileo was right and cleared his name of heresy. So when you get frustrated about politics in the local day, <laughs> it's been this way for a long time. Galileo. Hmm. So the people of Japan today are so proud of one of their own. Hideki Matsuyama became the first Japanese-born golfer to, in history to win the U.S. Masters Golf Tournament. And oh, he did a beautiful job. It was so much fun to watch. Will Zalatoris, 24-year-old phenom, uh, came in second, just one stroke behind uh, Matsuyama. But Matsuyama right now, I mean, golf is a big, big deal in Japan. He will be a rock star when he goes back. Soft-spoken guy, but uh, well, really well played. The Florida Department of Health on Sunday reported 96 more COVID-19 cases and no new deaths in Collier County. There are about 44 in the hospital. But uh, So, in other words, things are going just fine here in Collier County. White House uh, Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci on Sunday advised people who have been vaccinated for COVID-19 to hold off on congregating indoors to eat or drink. Mahine Hassan, never heard of this person, but host of MSNBC's The Ma uh, Hassan Show, asked Fauci, what is the message to vaccinated and unvaccinated Americans as to what they should and should not be doing right now. For example, eating and drinking indoors in restaurants and bars, is that okay now, he said? 
While according to Fauci, it's still not okay to gather indoors, he cited the level of infection as still really disturbingly high. No, it's still not okay for the simple reason that the level of infection, the dynamics of infection in the community are still really disturbingly high, Fauci advised. Just like yesterday, there were close to 80,000 new infections, and we've been hanging around 60, 70, 75,000, he said. Fauci pled with the public to get vaccinated and continue wearing masks. To quote President Trump from the speech this weekend, <laughs> have you ever seen anybody that's so full of crap? That, to me, is Anthony Fauci. I agree with the president on that one. And by the way, about 40% of U.S. Marines have declined to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So if you're deciding not to take it, you're not alone. About a third of the entire U.S. military has decided not to take it as well. Maybe just a delaying. We don't know. But uh, uh, the point being, I think people are getting really tired of Fauci and his uh, unscientific uh, edicts about how to control their lives and how to live their lives. Florida continues to report fewer new cases of Chinese coronavirus per capita than pro-lockdown blue states such as New York, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. While the establishment media frequently criticizes Governor DeSantis for prioritizing individual liberty throughout the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, Florida is continuing to fare better than certain blue states in terms of reporting new cases of the virus. Texas, which lifted the coronavirus-related restrictions last month, including the statewide mask mandate, which has remained in effect since last summer, is also faring far better than those blue states. Fauci, the White House chief medical advisor on the coronavirus, has failed to explain why red states are experiencing a drop in cases despite relaxing restrictions against the advice of Democrats. It can be confusing, he said, <laughs> because you may see a lag and a delay from uh, because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're going to do right now. He said during an appearance. Well, while Fauci believes it may be too early to judge Texas trend, Governor DeSantis lifted restrictions in the Sunshine State months ago. Yes, he did. And we're so grateful. Anthony Fauci, I think his, uh, we're beginning to see that the uh, zebra doesn't have any stripes. Rochelle Walensky, director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Thursday, declared, guess what? Racism is a serious public health threat. No, I'm not kidding. She said that. During the news, Walensky highlighted the disproportionate impact of the coronavirus pandemic on communities of color, pointing to case and death counts, as well as economic and social effects. She's saying that the disparities seen over the past year were not a result of COVID-19. Instead, the pandemic illuminated inequalities that have existed for generations and revealed for all America to know but often unaddressed epidemic impacting public health, racism, she said in a statement. I'm not kidding, she really said that. Sounds a little bit like what happened to Galileo, doesn't it? What we know is that racism is a serious public health threat and directly affects the well-being of millions of Americans. As a result, it's the effect of the health of the entire nation, she added. Racism is not just the discrimination against one group based on the color of their skin or the race or ethnicity but the structural barriers that impact racial and ethnic groups differently to influence where a person lives, where they work, where their children play, and where they worship and gather in the community. These social determinants of health have long negative effects on the mental and physical health of individuals in the communities of color, she said. Walensky said that the CDC will continue to study the impact of social determinants on health outcomes and make investments in racial and ethnic minority communities to address disparities related to COVID-19 and other health conditions. The agency also launched a new web portal, Racism and Health, that will serve as a hub for agencies' efforts and catalysts for greater education and dialogue around these critical issues. Unbelievable. So there's a hospital in uh, Boston that's decided that they're going to treat put a pri- priority on treating black people and people of color. Uh, you may be aware that there's about 100 uh, CEOs that have decided they're going to uh, get behind the, the problems and uh, for uh, elections and voting and taking absolutely the 180-degree wrong point of view about this entire thing. Politics are really screwed up right now. Back in March, President Trump released a statement urging his friend and former NFL great Herschel Walker to mount a bid 
run for U.S. Senator from the state of Georgia. He said, wouldn't it be fantastic if the legendary Herschel Walker ran for the United States for the Senate in Georgia? He would be unstoppable, just like he was when he played for the great Georgia Bulldogs and in the NFL. He's also a great person. Run, Herschel, run. Well, on Sunday, he joined Maria Bartiromo on Sunday Morning Futures. Well, very articulate and very sound. He's, he said, you know what, I'm not going to decide right now. That's something that we're praying about it. We're thinking about it. Uh, he said, stay tuned. It's going to be very exciting. It is exciting, Herschel. I hope you will run. I think you'd make a great United States senator with a good judgment. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I think hope you'll check out Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed and President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. Check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, as typical, for the last couple of months, we've been starting off our discussion about what's happening around the globe with COVID. Any update? A uh, few. It seems that Europe is starting to get its act together in terms of vaccination. Very late, and of course, they're in the middle of a, a fourth wave. Uh, so that's good that they're getting their act together. It's still, they're way behind the curve. They're way behind the United States. Um, here in Israel, it's down to almost nothing at this point, 100 cases a day. And mm. the positive rates on tests are, uh, yesterday were point, 0.4%. So it's not 4%, but 0.4%, so yeah. very, very low. U.S., as we've seen, we see surges in parts of the country. The U.S. is a lot of different stories in one. 
most of the people who are getting it are now are younger people. Yeah. Hopefully they will not get extremely sick and die because they're less likely to, but it's the people who haven't gotten vaccinated. The people who've gotten vaccinated are not getting sick, and so hopefully if enough people get vaccinated, we can put this whole thing behind us completely. Let's, let's hope for the best. Um, like I said, here in Israel, we're 60% of the population is vaccinated, 80% of the adult population is vaccinated. Wow. Uh, the country's reached herd immunity, from what everyone can tell. Oh, that's great. So, you know, did I read that the that uh, the UK has been opened up? Their uh... UK is opening up. They they've also reached a very high percentage. They they are very, gotten a very high percentage of their population vaccinated. They went into giving the first the first vaccine only the, the first dose, and coming back uh, three months later or two months later for the second dose to get as many people. First, first dose as possible. Basically, one dose brings you to seventy to eighty percent mm-hmm. uh, immunity against the disease. Two doses bring you between ninety and ninety-five percent. Now, most uh, vaccines are usually. Let's put it this way. I'll go back. Step back a minute. When they were discussing what vaccines they would approve, I remember the discussions of the uh, vaccines are that President Trump had approved. And he basically said anything more than 50% they would approve because the, the disease is so deadly and it's spreading so rapidly that even 50% would be enough. So 80% in the UK, it may not be 95% with two, but it is 80%. And of course, it's cutting the numbers rapidly and they're opening things up also very rapidly. Yeah. Again, maybe too rapidly. You know, everyone wants to open as quickly as possible. Um, but, you know, again, if you if people are vaccinated, looks like, you know, the odds are, are very low of spreading the disease and getting the disease, so you can resume national, regular life if you've been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, and then so, according uh, to Fauci, you got to still got to mask up and you can't eat indoors. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, it, it, keep in mind the fact that eating indoors was, was the single greatest spreader of COVID. In other words, if there's one place that we learned was the worst possible place, was indoors, obviously, at a at a wedding or something is the absolute worst because of the uh. large number of people from different places. But restaurants were the number one, indoor restaurants were the number one spreading on regular day-to-day life. So you've got a question, you know, how how slowly and being careful. And again, um, here in Israel, they're still wearing masks. So they're talking about removing them soon. Remember, the mask is not for you. It's for the other person. In case you're carrying it, you don't give it to somebody else. So... You know, it's a minor thing. I'm, I've never understood why people have gotten so so worked up about about the mask. Um, it's because well, it it, 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 it make you sick. Great. My gosh, you're you're breathing in your own waste for crying out. Loud. Oh, you're not being your own people. <laughs> listen, uh, doctors and people in the medical profession have been wearing masks all day, every day for for most of their professional lives. Yeah. Well, so, listen, I don't want to get too much I, in I the weeds. We, we have so much to talk about here, so let's let's move on to. Uh, what's going on in, around the rest of the world? It is interesting to me that did I? I think you'd uh, sent me some information on the Chinese vaccine just not working. Right, the Chinese vaccine is not working. It's under fifty percent, and the Chinese are admitting it. Now, the Chinese were planning to use this vaccine as a as a method of their foreign affairs. In other words, showing look at the great things we can do, and we we're going to give away the, the vaccine in various countries. Yeah, but the simplest thing is it doesn't work now. Hopefully, as it looks like the United States will have enough vaccines for everybody in the country, hopefully everyone in the country will take it, um, at that point, the U.S. should use the vaccine and use the technology to our advantage in terms of foreign affairs, start giving out the vaccines to the rest of the world and showing here's a vaccine um, you know, developed by Pfizer, uh, or, or, or Moderna, obviously, or Johnson & Johnson, for that matter, they're 90%, 95% effective, and, you know, that should be a, an instrument of regaining America's position in the world that it's lost in the last couple of years. Yeah. China was planning to use theirs. Russia was also planning to use theirs, which also doesn't seem to be as effective. So, you know, um, Interesting. science won. The fact that a brilliant breakthrough, particularly this whole thing with RNA, the two vaccines, Moderna and uh, Pfizer were both based on the same underlying principle, brand new. We should make use of that, showing the world what we can do. Yeah. And I'm, you know, as soon as we have enough for the whole U.S. population, 
time to make use of that in terms of foreign affairs throughout the world. Yeah. A uh, great point. You know, uh, by the you, you had mentioned that uh, you're in Israel, and uh, Mark is in Tel Aviv, and has been now for the last several months. Um, c- could you comment at all about uh, what happened in Iran and the uh, the the hypothetical attack? Uh, hypothetical attack. Sure. So I'll, I'll comment up to the extent that I know and can comment. Look, there was there was an incident in the Nantaz um, nuclear facility. Mm-hmm. And what is being said? Uh, initially, their electrical systems were blown up. They have a separate electrical system that is used so that they're not connected to the electrical grid. As we all know, electrical grids are easy to hack, relatively speaking. So the electrical system is separate in the plant, and supposedly that was blown up. And when it's blown up, this, all the centrifuges stop, and it's not an easy thing to realign them and to rebuild the electrical system. Iran is claiming now that um, that they have not stopped their... their Enrichment of uranium. Um, other sources are saying they've been pushed back by nine months, so we don't know what the truth of that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. It was done on the day that um, U.S. Secretary of Defense came to a visit in Israel, um, and was that planned that way? I do not know, mm-hmm. but clearly there is cooperation here. It's even if you accept the fact that the United States should rejoin JCOPA. Uh, this is probably a good thing because it sort of eliminates the pressure that existed. We've got to move quickly because right now Iran is, is moving towards a breakout. So if they've been stopped or delayed by six months to nine months, it gives you much more flexibility in your negotiation. So was he, there, was a, there was a meeting that apparently was held about uh, uh, negotiations. There was a meeting last week to try to, it was a pre-meeting to discuss how to return to JCOPA. The Iranians are insisting on the United States removing all sanctions first and then they'll begin to comply. The United States says, no, 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 we're not going to remove sanctions until you comply. And then the intermediate position was, well, let's, devel- let's develop a, a latest of, of different events. You do this, we'll do that. You do this, we'll do that. Um, but the Iranians seem unable. Keep in mind, there's an Iranian election in another couple of weeks. Um, and the Iranian, believe it or not, elections are important there to, not like you have George Washington running against James Madison, yeah. but within their politics, it is an election, and there are hardliners, less hardliners, and um, so right now it seems to be frozen. So it didn't make a lot of progress. So it does look like there's going to be a coalition or an alignment of uh, for uh, to support uh, Netanyahu. It does not look that way. It's unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, he does not have a coalition because in order to reach 62 votes, 61 votes, he needs to take support from the far, far right of Israeli politics and at the same time take support from one of the Arab parties, which, while it's not right or left, they're obviously on the opposite ends of many spectrums. But the far, far right party said they will not enter into a coalition that is dependent on those Arab parties. So for the moment, it looks like a no, no non-starter, hmm. but this now is Wiley, and he manages to pull things off at the last minute, so I wouldn't, wouldn't count, it off, count it off as a possibility. However, he has 21 more days, at which point he returns to the president. He can select somebody else, and it looks like it will be an alternative government if Netanyahu does not succeed. All right. Mark, we've got so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. It's award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. 
That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Mark, uh, Myanmar is a mess, and uh, to, uh, these, uh, right now the military is just killing their people. What are your thoughts? Right, it's very interesting. The Myanmar military seems to live in a world all of its own. They live in their own cities, they have their own health care, they have their own movies, they live in a, literally a self-contained universe. Uh, they tend to marry, you know, children of the military marry each other. So it's a very much a self-contained universe where they don't have much interaction with the regular people. Wow! They seem to have no problem killing them. That's sounds like reality. it sounds like uh, the Congress. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, but so it, it it really is very very tragic. Uh, the people want democracy. The military wants control, and as opposed to a nation that has a conscript army made up of the people, uh, the military military is all professional and all very much insular from the rest of the country. So mm. that would explain why they're so willing to kill the rest of the people they consider enemies. Huh. So what what are next steps in Myanmar? What's going to happen? Don't know. I mean, if people if people keep on demonstrating. They keep on being killed. Very hard. Can the outside world put enough pressure on them? If it wasn't for China, I would say the answer is yes, but Chinese could play a terrible role here in supporting the regime, mm. and then then all the pressure that the United States and the EU and everybody else puts on the country will have no real effect. Mm. So sad. So uh, the, uh, actually, the president and his uh, high-level cabinet or, or supporters, uh, cons- uh, those that, that he consults with, apparently met in the, the White House over the weekend. The topic, as I understand it, and there's not a lot of news about this, was China and Taiwan and Russia and Ukraine. I want to get your thoughts on that. Right. So we have two real hotspots at the moment, potential hotspots in the world. China has really been um, exercising their muscles, so to speak, and literally exercising by surrounding Taiwan with naval carrier force and buzzing it with aircraft on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, will they go any further? I don't think so, but no one knows for sure, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's a real concern, and it's a red line for the United States. If China was to invade Taiwan, I don't think we could sit sit quietly on the side, which would be a real problem. We could end up with a world war based just on that. So mm-hmm. I think at least the Chinese have to know, think that we will come to defend Taiwan. If they think and assure that we're going to defend them, it's less likely they're going to attack them, obviously. That's always the problem. You know, it goes back to how did the Korea War start? It started from a miscalculation because Dean Atchison gave a speech and he defined America's security interests in Asia and it did not include South Korea. Mm. So, yes, this, could this possibly be uh, a test of the resolve of President Biden? 
Yes, I mean, no, it's, a, it's a test to resolve of the United States, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Chinese uh, got strengthened for four years under the previous president because the alliances in, the, in Asia had fallen apart. Um, but it's clearly a test. Um, look, any the history of the United States and presidencies going back to the Cold War is full of attempted tests of new presidents. I mean, you know, we can go back to... JFK and the first Berlin crisis, right? Mm-hmm. That was a test to see, you know, how how JFK was going to respond. Yep. Um, so clearly, these are tests. Um, on the other hand, it may be not more than a test; it may be a, a preemptive action because clearly, um, Biden believes in a more vigorous foreign policy and use of the military than either of his two predecessors. So um, we'll have to see where where that goes. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous. It's the same situation, which was the next topic in Ukraine, where the Russians have really massed larger numbers of troops along the Ukrainian border. And, you know, are they looking to start a war? Are they looking to invade the Ukraine? Is this Putin's endgame to green back the, the empire that the USSR was? Clearly, the Ukraine was part of the USSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, the Ukrainians do not want to be part of the USSR, or Russia, shall we say. So... These are real challenges. Yeah, big um, challenging times. The Chinese times. present a greater military challenge in the sense that they're, you know, they're just a larger army and have infinite money. The Russians have a smaller army, but they're well trained. So we'll have to see. Well, we and and take us. and a massive nuclear weapons as well. So that's a concern as well. That is so interesting. So, uh, what we didn't have on our list is North Korea, and uh, apparently, uh, you, what first of all is doing very poorly. But the strange behavior of their leader is, is I, you know, is he, he's apologized yep. a couple Listen, of times. The man is a strange, a strange leader. There's no two ways around it. He's not always um, rational in the sense that we would we think of rationality, mm-hmm. which is always going to be very dangerous because you never can know what he might or might not do. And so it's always a danger. He's obviously, in the last four years, built more nuclear uh, weapons. Nothing, you know, he's, his nuclear arsenal has no doubt expanded by, they were saying he was producing two a year, so four years of the Trump administration means at least eight more nuclear weapons, if yeah. not more. And a submarine, as um, I understand, is under development. Yep, a lot of things are under development. Yeah. And, you so. know, MIRV missiles are also under development. A dangerous little man, and literally a little man who's very, very dangerous. Yeah, um, yes. and so ironic so that uh, the be, people there are just starving. They they're in poor health. Certainly, the the economy is just in, absolutely in ruins, and yet they they continue to take a attack that is uh, unsustainable, in my opinion. It can only lead to, to uh, problems. Yeah, but you know, a lot of dictators have taken paths that were economically unsustainable, but they did it anyway for their own needs and usages and sometimes their own nationalism that they managed to provoke yeah. by taking these, these actions. Yeah. So I wouldn't so, write it out so you know, write it off so quickly. Understood. I think we should be very concerned. Um you if, know, we, we these are real adversaries. I don't want to call them enemies because it's not quite clear that they're enemies, but both China and and Russia are adversaries of the United States and um US needs to be cognizant and careful. I think also looking at the um, part of the infrastructure plan, which has includes, I think, $50 billion for basic research and semiconductors and all of those areas where the United States needs to become independent again yeah. and independent of China. And I think that's very, very important. Babe, um, before before I let I you go, Mark, I wanted to get your comments about the elections in South America. Right. My point of election, I mean, they're both... They're, Elections both in Peru and Ecuador. Um, Peru, no one's very happy. In Ecuador, it looks like one of the conservatives has has won the elections. But I guess my point is more importantly they're taking place. Mm-hmm. They're free and true elections. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing you know in Asia where which w- was heading towards more democracy, where Thailand was heading towards democracy and now is run by the military. Myanmar, which was dem- democratic and now run by the military where Asia has stepped away from democracy to some extent. At the moment, at least, democracy, for better or for worse, is still flourishing in South and Central America, countries that have a lot of challenges. And those are things that we, you know, those are close to home. We need to make sure we we maintain strong relations and give them the aid that's necessary. But in 
encourage them in the democratic path, let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend, you and all your guests. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Larry Reed, the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Uh, we are known as FEE, F-E-E, and our website is fee.org. The Foundation for Economic Education uh, is now 75 years old, wow. and we've been working to educate and inspire young people in ideas of private property, free enterprise, and personal character. And we do that not only through the very robust website with videos and daily commentary, but also through programs online and in person for students all over the country and occasionally even abroad. Fee.org is the website if you have a young person uh, in high school or college age. Just strongly encourage you to become familiar with our website and introduce it to them as well. It, uh, it really helps. I've been to the, some of the uh, annual events. They are absolutely uh, terrific. So, Larry, you wrote such an interesting column about the first female mayor in the United States. Maybe you can tell, tell us about it. Okay. Her name was Susanna Salter, and she was 27 years old when she was elected mayor of Argonia, Kansas. And this was in the year 1887. Keep in mind that women generally in the United States did not earn the right to vote until the 1920s uh, for all elections. But in certain states, Wyoming, uh, I think, was first in the 1860s, and then Kansas uh, in the 1880s, women were given limited rights uh, to uh, vote in municipal elections, mm -hmm. but uh, nothing beyond that for a while. And in 1887, uh, a very strange thing happened in Argonia, 
Kansas. Uh, Susanna Salter did not uh, even know that she was on the ballot until Election Day itself. <laughs> and this was because uh, uh, th- there was a rising chorus of uh, people who wanted women to have the right to vote, but there were uh, a number of men who d- didn't like the idea. So as a joke, uh, in Argonia, Kansas in that year, a group of men arranged to put Susanna Salter's name on the ballot. Mm. And uh, strangely enough, at that time, uh, the names on the ballot were not announced until the day of election. So nobody knew, uh, except a handful, that she was even uh, going to be on the ballot. Well, um, that morning of Election Day, uh, local officials came to her house and said, you know, your name is on the ballot today for mayor. Are you interested uh, in serving if you get elected? And she said, yeah. (laughs) And uh, then uh, various people swung behind her, including the Women's Christian uh, Christian Temperance Union, the prohibition uh, movement of its day, and by the end of the day, what was originally meant to be a prank turned out uh, to have backfired, and she was elected with 60% of the vote. It was an amazing story. Uh, so the most interesting to me is how well she managed uh, the role. I mean, uh, the compensation, I think you point out in the column, was about a dollar a year, which is about $25 in today's, uh, in terms of today's value, but irrespective uh, you know, the story actually turns out that uh, they were very fortunate to have her as mayor. Yeah, she did a fine job uh, because she was the first woman elected mayor of a town in the United States. And some some argue the first woman mayor anywhere in the world. I wasn't able to confirm that. That's a little tougher to prove. Mm-hmm. But certainly the first ma- female mayor of a United States town. And uh, the national press sent uh, reporters to the town to see how she would do uh, presiding over city council meetings and so forth. And she got a very favorable press. And uh, people widely uh, thought that she was a very competent mayor. She was um, uh, a very good parliamentarian. She was known for short meetings and tolerating no nonsense. <laughs> And uh, did a fine job. No scandals uh, during the one term that she served as mayor. Yeah, uh, she didn't suffer fools, and uh, she got the business done. Uh, it just reminds me, the temperance uh, movement pretty much started in Kansas in that area, didn't it? And so, uh, uh, and and women's rights and uh, w- the women voting. I think that all kind of started in that in that area. Yeah, uh, in fact, the Women's Christian Temperance Union still exists. They're having their uh, one hundred and forty. Eight uh, national convention uh, this very summer, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so they're still around, but they were a major force uh, in the passage of prohibition uh, that we had in the 1920s and early 30s. That was not one of their proudest moments, so no. we eventually got rid of that. But they uh, played a very important role also in the coming of um, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, uh, which was. Uh, guaranteeing women's right to vote. Absolutely. So uh, uh, I will point out in your column, you say she died at the ripe old age of 101 in 1961. It just, just demonstrates, I think, how how yeah. recent that was. Yeah, amazing that uh, in your lifetime and mine, Bob, yeah. uh, at least I think in yours. <laughs> Certainly mine. <laughs> Certainly mine. I was born in 1953. She was still around. Uh, she lived to 101, as you pointed out. Yeah, amazing. Uh, let's uh, end this with a, a co- quote by Margaret Thatcher. I don't think there will be a woman prime minister in my lifetime. My guess is that in 1987, lots of people in Argonia, Kansas, that there wouldn't be a woman mayor in their lifetimes either. Uh, always a lot of surprises in history, Larry. Uh, Larry Reed, again, the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I encourage you to visit the website fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Uh, I want to remind you that the Celebrating Kids and Country Part 2 is coming up uh, this Saturday from 9 till 12, April 17th. It's going to be at the Naples Community Church. And it's going to be a terrific event. Alex Newman is the CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media is going to be there. Rebecca Friedrichs, founder of 
for Kids and Country will be there. Uh, she is a former union member in California, has a great message. Carrie McDonald, Senior Education Fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education. Duke Pesta, Dr. Duke Pesta from the Freedom Project Academy. Erica Donald's, our own Erica Donald's right here on the Paradise Coast from the Optima Foundation. And Nicola McCloy, Hope Scholarship Mother, will be there as well. So I have some tickets to give away. If you would like tickets, a couple of tickets, a ticket for yourself, or up to four tickets, uh, I will be there. I look forward to seeing you there. You can give me a call at 598-3889 or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Hey Jim, how are you doing? The dining today? scene in Naples is among the nation's Good, finest. So Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided Let's food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on Fifth Avenue South, Downtown Third Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, huh. and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children right, to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children so the too. government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840. Or visit the website, nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's also the author of a couple of terrific murder mysteries located right right in Washington, D.C. The first is Follow the Leader, and its sequel is Shake the Money Tree. Great reads. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jim. So uh, we were talking a little bit off air about uh, the soft power that China is developing, and you were thinking about a response. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, yeah, the, you know, China has extended its influence throughout the globe using its economic power. So I guess the most famous example is uh, President Xi's uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where they're trying to duplicate the, the Silk Road that existed in Marco Polo's time between China and Europe. Uh, and the way they, they extend that is they, they make uh, loans to countries. Some of them are nefarious that turn countries into the equivalent of a company store, uh, you know, uh, building infrastructure in these countries. And they've extended that beyond Europe it's, uh, you know, there are Chinese in almost every country in Africa uh, working on projects. And in our own backyard in South America, the Chinese have uh, made, made uh, billions of dollars in loans. So yeah. they're extending their influence, and China is our enemy. So how do we respond? Uh, the U.S. is behind the curve on projecting its soft power. 
So I was thinking, for example, we have something called the Monroe Doctrine. You know, it was originally aimed by the president at European powers, and essentially it said that uh, Europe, if you try to colonize South America or if you try to interfere in their politics, Mm -hmm. uh, the United States will consider that an attack on us, Mm -hmm. and we will respond as if we were attacked. Uh, My thinking is that the uh, the virus is a foreign invasion. It did originate in in China. It's doing untold damage in countries like uh, Brazil, uh, in in countries which we have strong trade agreements like Chile, Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, once we vaccinate our population, uh, we could project friendly power and strengthen our influence in in our own hemisphere uh, by launching a uh, a drive to eradicate COVID uh, from South America, from you know Mexico, Central America, and South America, yeah. and enhance our standing in the world. And and I would argue that it would be part of the defense budget, uh, and it wouldn't. Uh, I, I would be against. Uh, you know, ex- reducing expenditures on hardware because we need that to prevent war. Um, but this would again project America as a, a, a friendly country, a, an ally that can be t- depended upon, and strengthen uh, allegiances in our own backyard against China and Russia. Yeah, you know, some, I think it's a great theory, a great uh, uh, hypothesis for how to build, rebuild our power and influence, and especially in this hemisphere. Uh, used to comment about uh, Russia's, I'm sorry, uh, Chinese money flowing into these various uh, countries. And, and, and to your point, in, in some cases, it's really working to help build the infrastructure and do things that the countries couldn't ordinarily do. On the other hand, it's building tremendous uh, financial uh, influence and power in these countries, because in many cases the countries are just not afford to pay back the money to China that they owe, and so the consequence is that they end up. It's kind of like the company store, you know, just back in the days in the coal mines in West Virginia. Uh, yes, and it, it is a threat to our sovereignty, um, you know. And along those lines, you know. I, I, we have a, a tendency in this country to be isolationist, except, you know, with the exception of uh, the Miami Herald, which has a, a large Spanish-speaking audience and which looks towards South America. I mean, most of this country has little interest in foreign news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laugh uh, when I watch uh, the ABC World News Tonight with emphasis on world, because seldom do they have any kind of a report from any other country than ours. I mean, uh, the United States has always been inward looking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the isolation of the past, even though the, even though we realize that the world is much smaller, it still persists in this, uh, country. And, uh, it's hard to get the Americans to change that the kind of mindset. So, so uh, you know, an, another global goal would be, you know, we're trying to eliminate China uh, dominance of the global supply chain. Yeah. China right now is a factory for for the world, like it or not. Yeah. Uh, India is a candidate to replace China. Uh, India and the U.S. share this in common. We're both former British colonies. Uh, we're the world's oldest democracy, and India is among the world's youngest democracies. Huh. Um, so, you know, we could project our soft power to try to uh, encourage India to loosen up its economy and make it a, a more welcome place for U.S. investment. Yeah, um, it's, it's an interesting thought, Jim. Uh, it's an interesting thought, and uh, earlier in the show we pointed out that the Chinese vaccine apparently is not working, so it, it, it actually plays strength to Chinese uh, weakness because they had planned to roll out this vaccine across, I don't know whether it was simply Asia or around the world, but uh, apparently that's that's a flawed strategy right now, so we could gain some influence. I, I wonder how this might play out in terms of our border problems that we have right now. And we, you know, it's so ironic that right now we're, think, you know, we're thinking about the Monroe Doctrine and what's happening in South America, where we have an influx of this illness happening right here in the United States and, uh, and on our borders. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, here are... Here are 
people are going to cons- consider me uh, probably a nutcase uh, because, because um, you know, what's driving these people from Honduras, and I base this on the newspapers, not first-hand knowledge, is, uh, first of all, they're starving because of natural disasters. Secondly, it's MS-13, the criminal gang, um, which has pretty much occupied these countries and and and, their, and, and corrupt regimes in these countries allow MS-13 to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have to send in the Marines to stop the illegal migration. I mean, uh, sending troops to the border is not a solution. But, uh, you know, if I was in charge of the Pentagon, I right now, my intelligence people would have the name of all the heads of MS-13 in these countries, and I would decapitate them. I think I think that's the only solution. Yeah. And then follow up with soft power. Yeah, apparently one of the uh, police on the, one of the border towns in Mexico ha- ha- happened to be a, a boss of one of the MS-13 gangs. So, I mean, these these cartels, man, are just so absolutely powerful, and more probably more powerful than the government in uh, some of these countries, including Mexico, quite frankly. So it's a huge problem. But in the meantime. I mean, we're not. Uh, we should be protecting our borders. The president decided to give paid leave if, uh, if federal employees would go down and help out on the border. <laughs> That's yeah. It's such a stupid idea. Why doesn't he just implement what the president had in place before he took office? Uh, well, and we do need a more. Um, you know, we need a more rational uh, immigration plan. Uh, our birth rate is down in this country. If you travel throughout the Midwest, you see a lot of small towns and cities uh, that need people, and they have wonderful infrastructures. I mean, they have water, they have sewage, they have communications. Uh, and I look at the children at the border who are being dunked and thinking, well, you know, perhaps we have a resource here that we don't appreciate, that perhaps, you know, if we could educate these young people and another crazy idea of mine is is uh, when you have immigrants come in, uh, make them live in a specific community for say five years, um, so that they because uh, in the past in the middle during the Obama administration, I saw illegal immigrants revitalize the wrong side of the tracks in small towns. Yeah, let's you know, they just turned, let... businesses cropped up. Uh, and uh, the workforce increased, and it was a vibrant community. And, and, and Obama cracked down. I, people forget this. Uh, his measures were so harsh that people were self-deporting, were moving back to Mexico because they were afraid if they hesitated, they would lose their houses, they would lose their investments in, in business in this country because they were illegal. Um, but but there was what I'm saying is there was a positive side to that coin. So you know we should have. A, Hopefully, we can develop a um, immigration strategy that takes advantage of of the positives and, well, and keeps you know, the, and you're, uh, you're, you're, the unwanted people out. You're absolutely right about the about immigration. We do need immigration, but the point is, it should be illegal, not illegal. It should be uh, uh, according to the rule of law. It should be based on uh, based on our priorities. So, I mean. Uh, <laughs> There's so much wrong in what's going on in the border right now. It's just incredible. But I, I really embrace your ideas, Jim, and I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Bob. My thank pleasure. you. All right. Thank you, Jim. And again, the name of the two books, uh, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. Really great reads, uh, murder mysteries. I hope you join us tomorrow. We'll visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of less government. And Linda, my wife, will be with us. Uh, She's the author of Greetings from Paradise. I don't know if we'll be talking about what's happening here, but anyhow, always enjoy her commentary as well. Uh, I appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Again, and if you want tickets to the April 17th event, I hope you'll send me an email at bobharden at hotmail. All right, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.
BobHarton.com. <laughs>